Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. Sandra Ondrasik of Catalyst is today's guest and she has some good news. Our research has shown quite clearly that, that it is not the women. <laughs> women are not the issue. So my advice to women in, in this scenario and Catalyst's advice is uh, instead of asking what can women do to get ahead, ask organisations what they're doing to make that possible. There's something for you to ask the boss about on Monday morning, and we thought it was all our own fault. Well, Sandra is Senior Director with Catalyst, which is a leading non-profit organisation with a mission to accelerate progress for women through workplace inclusion. Sandra believes men have a big role to play in improving diversity and inclusion, and that it's time to get them engaged in bringing about change. Men have just simply been left out of the conversation. So once you invite them into the conversation, they're generally quite willing to be part of the solution. Sandra Ondracek says it's time to stop preaching to the converted. Women know the issues um, and a lot of companies have unwittingly created um, groups or, or approaches to diversity and inclusion that involve bringing women together to tell women what women already know. And uh, more and more companies are now saying we need to uh, engage the men. And that very much is in alignment with Catalyst research that um, it is about uh, engaging the, the majority. In the podcast, Sandra will share her insights from her experience with Catalyst, working with leading companies to get the best from their staff. As well as demonstrating the data, showing the very real advantages of inclusivity, Catalyst are also experts in experiential learning, where they show the teams what it feels like to be excluded or outside the circle. You don't send a team with only defenders onto the field. or You, know, you, you need a diverse team and you need to manage diverse teams well and to be aware of what it feels like to be the other. Thank you very much for joining us. First of all, will you tell me how do I pronounce your name and maybe <laughs> tell me a little bit about uh, Catalyst and what Catalyst does? Sure. Uh, so the name is Ondrasek. Um, it's a Czech name, but I actually grew up in Donegal myself. Um, so I live in Switzerland currently. I've been in Switzerland for over 20 years now. And I've been working for Catalyst for three of those years. And Catalyst was founded in 1962 in, in the US, um, and the goal at that time was really just to get more women into the workplace. And the assumption was that women needed to be trained and coached and made ready for the workplace. And um, after about two decades of, of that approach, um, Catalyst realized that, in fact, it was the workplace that needed to be fixed and not the women and so the focus shifted to working with organizations. Um, so we're now a global organization and uh, we have a presence in India, Australia, Japan, Europe, the US and Canada. And um, we're recognized as the leading nonprofit organization that works to accelerate progress on inclusive workplaces and advancing women in the workplace. So you're ideally positioned to see what's happening globally uh, with women in the workforce. Is it a good picture? Is anything happening? Are we, are we making any progress at all with women, with culture? How are we doing? 
Um, we, we are making progress, but it's still painfully slow. And, and I think that uh, wherever we look across the globe, we can say that women are woefully underrepresented in uh, leadership positions um, and decision-making roles. And um, there is progress. Um, it's not as fast as we would like. It's not as uh, significant as we would like. But there is some, some cause for optimism. And where is that optimism coming from? Uh, what I'm hearing from different sources is that it's really all about sustainability, that unless we bring uh, a greater representation of women into the boardrooms, into executive leadership teams, companies, banks, organisations, charities, they're just not going to be as sustainable or as, as functioning at optimal level if they don't have enough women and a higher proportion of women on board. Is, is that your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, here in, in Europe, especially, the, the population is aging and um, the working age population is expected to decline for the next several decades. So companies are basically competing for an ever shrinking talent pool. Um, and that, that talent crunch we talk about is, is very real. It's holding back innovation. So those companies that want to be competitive in a, in a global environment um, need to think long term about how competitive they are if they maintain the status quo and how innovative they will be if they maintain a, a non-diverse workforce. 31% um, of global CEOs surveyed recently said that a shortage of talent was actually holding their business back, holding them back from innovating. So when I think about sustainability, I think about talent and um, how if companies are still choosing from half the deck, if you like, in terms of the talent pool, um, how is that going to affect their, their innovation and their ability to be competitive long term? Have you any examples of good practice? Are there any companies that are doing a particularly good job on this or even any countries that are doing a good job of improving gender balance? Well, I think what we're seeing in, in Europe is that the whole discussion around quotas has made a difference, even though uh, people feel very ambivalent about quotas. There's no doubt that just um, implementing measures, whether they're binding or, or not, whether they're um, compulsory or not, uh, that that has actually um, galvanized the conversation. And it's, it's uh, been a wake-up call for, for many countries and companies to, to um, get moving on, on this. And companies and countries that don't take action will be falling behind, both in terms of their reputation and in terms of their business performance. So uh, I think uh, just having that conversation about targets, about quotas, um, has made a difference in that it's put that conversation front and center for, for many societies. And um, companies are realizing that if they don't, um, that quotas are just one way, of course, of making a difference. And there needs to be other things in place. It's, it's about culture change, ultimately. But um, so I think a lot, of, a lot of companies have now set um, targets for, for diversity. 
Um, and that the combination of that with what's happening in the countries is is uh, forcing the the topic to be um, to be looked at more carefully. And um, some of the ones in the UK that are creating targets are Lloyd's Banking Group have um, um, a target of forty percent um, of global senior management positions. Um, Linklater's law firm has 30% female, female executive uh, committee and international board, that's by 2018. The Royal Bank of Scotland has set a target of 30%. So there, there are companies that are setting ambitious targets and um, many other companies that are implementing a wide range of measures to, to take this, uh, to, to see action and progress. Of course, a lot of companies have learned the hard way, and I'm thinking particularly of financial institutions with the, with the recent crisis. You know, sometimes this testosterone-fueled way of thinking about huge bonus payments for short-term profits. Is there a, an understanding that women think any differently to this? Is there a different psychology going on with women, and can that help? I, I'm always very careful and hesitant to to use the word women as a monolithic group, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but what we what we can certainly say is that uh, if you have more diversity on a board, if you have more women in the room and not just a male board, um, there will be better problem solving. There will be more diverse thinking. There will be more diversity of opinion and perspective. And um, I think that's certainly in terms of, of uh, major decisions and risk-taking, that's an important thing to bear in mind. Um, so I think, you know, we've, we've all heard what um, Christine Lagarde said about Lehman sisters and so on. Um, I think if, if it had been a, a Lehman brothers and sisters set up, uh, then, you know, we, we would have the ideal scenario. So we have a, a mixed team. Um, just having uh, women in the room uh, is not a guarantee as such for, for diverse uh, thinking because those women need to be heard and they need to be a critical mass to, to get their opinions heard. But I think um, it, is a, it is ultimately about uh, diversity of thought and opinion and that's very valuable when we're making important decisions. I'm interested in what you said there about being heard. I mean, I interview women on a regular basis and frequently even the most senior women say sometimes it's really hard to get your voice heard. And sometimes you might say something and then it's just disregarded. But then 10 minutes later, a man says it and people go, oh, yes, that's a very interesting point. So mm -hmm. it, I suppose it comes back to the original point you're talking about fixing the women or fixing the culture. Or can we do a bit of both? Are there any practical tips that you can give to women or to... Um, to organizations how to improve both being heard in the first place and maybe improving the listening on the other side. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is something you hear a lot that, that women are not heard and um, I think we need to, uh, in this situation, engage the men in an awareness of what it's like to be a woman in the workplace. Um, I think men are often blissfully unaware of what it's like to be a woman in, in a corporate environment. Um, and it's not just about gender, it's about uh, being the other, if you like, in, in, in that situation. 
So um, we, I've heard women say quite recently that they've um, had this conversation with male colleagues and those male colleagues now call out that behavior in meetings. So they will say, um, actually, I think Sandra just said that two minutes ago. Um, so it is about calling it out when it happens in, in the moment. Um, but for that conversation to happen or that behavior to happen, we need to, to more deeply engage men um, as the dominant culture in, in workplaces. Um, women know the issues um, and a lot of companies have unwittingly created um, groups or, or approaches to diversity and inclusion that involve bringing women together to tell women what women already know. And um, more and more companies are now saying we need to uh, engage the men. And that very much is in alignment with Catalyst Research that um, it is about uh, engaging the, the majority. The minority knows the issues and the burden of, of changing the situation shouldn't be on the minority. It should be a leadership challenge. So I think that that, that framing of the conversation as a leadership challenge and as a talent discussion is uh, are both very crucial aspects. Of course, men are the gatekeepers typically, so sometimes it can be difficult to get them to open that gate or to share the power. And somebody said to me that men don't like to have to modify their behaviour. <laughs> How can we bring them on board gently and persuasively as women can? How, any practical tips? I, I saw on your um, website when I was researching this, you have something about experiential learning. It's, it's actually a fascinating area. I mean, I think men have just simply been left out of the conversation. So once you invite them into the conversation, they're generally quite willing to be part of the solution. And um, I've, I've seen a few of these sessions in action. Um, and it, it really boils down to um, what, what it's like to be in the dominant culture and non-dominant culture. So if you're uh, in a corporate workplace, I think 88% of board seats worldwide are held by men. 92% of CEO positions are held by men. So it's actually totally logical that the men will be um, in the majority. Um, in terms of engaging them in the conversation, we looked at um, how what what kind of um, barriers there are that, that prevent men from getting involved, what fears they have, um, and what there's generally an expectation that if women gain, I'll lose as a man. So some, some men are very um, afraid of positive discrimination. That's something that, that comes up a lot. Um, what we also like to emphasize is that men benefit from a more gender balanced environment. So when when norms in general are, are less rigid, you know, whether that's male or female, masculine or feminine norms, uh, everybody can benefit. So men, we encourage men to take advantage of flexible work practices, for example, to show that um, this is not just for women. Uh, men do want to be involved as parents and, and to be active. They don't want to uh, sacrifice their uh, family life uh, for for a career um, any more than than women do. So I think it's about just facilitating a dialogue around these areas. And in terms of of behavior, um, we we try to deconstruct what it means to be a 
what it means to be a man in, in the world and what it means to be a woman, and then how that relates to corporate culture. So um, looking at you know, the, the, the majority of corporate culture is, is, is very masculine and is based on, and leadership models are, are very masculine and very often um, women are not heard or they're subject to, to bias or to the so-called leadership double bind that whatever they do, they, it's wrong. So they're either too, too nice or too soft or you can be competent or likable, but you can't be both as, as a woman. So I think um, it's, it's about challenging views of leadership and um, really looking at uh, helping men to become aware of how women experience the workplace differently and then what is helpful in terms of their behavior to, to women um, and so it's, a lot of it is just about really having a, uh, an honest and open dialogue about uh, what all of this means. And um, it, it's uh, and allowing, creating a space where people can be, can ask all the questions they have, like, isn't this about positive discrimination or, um, you know, whoa, we're far too politically correct these days. And, you know, all of this stuff can come out and, and be, be, uh, be challenged and be discussed and um, so it's really just about a, a good honest conversation. Of course that's if you can get the conversation started in the first place I mean what if yep. you're up against a company where the uh, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here now where they say well this is all very touchy-feely kind of stuff it doesn't really suit our business you know how do you get past the front door with with and make to make the case in the first place? Yeah, well, well, most companies have a, a fairly clear idea these days of the business case for diversity, and those you know those pillars of the business case are are pretty clear in general. We've had clear business case for several years now. Um, you know, it's good for business. It's good for financial performance. It's about leveraging talent. It's about reflecting the marketplace, building your reputation, increasing innovation, and and all of that. So that's the perspective that most men are coming from as, as business leaders. And that's still a very important part of the conversation. Um, what I've found is in, in these workshops that we do is that the, the conversation shifts quite quickly when you allow people to be uh, open and honest about what it's like to be a man um, in the workplace or a woman. And um, people move beyond the business case to the personal case and, and the social case. And so I think um, you, you need to allow for all of that. It's, it's the bigger picture thinking. And if we're thinking about sustainability again, that's where that would also come in. So, you know, we, we often say that diversity is a fact and inclusion is a choice. And a lot of diversity approaches have focused on representation of women, and numbers and metrics and, and so on. Um, but the, the important thing is to create a culture that people want to be part of, that women feel heard in and that other diverse people feel they're going to get a fair chance and fair equal opportunities. So if you want to create that kind of culture, you need to have uh, dialogue. And uh, I think, you know, we can see from what's happening in the world around us today that there's never been a greater need to <laughs> talk about inclusion and what that means and being tolerant and, and inclusive. 
So there's no point in just uh, getting women into the company if they don't stay and they're not heard and you don't listen to them. I've heard about the 50-30-10 rule. You know, you get people in and there's almost 50-50 recruitment and then when you get to middle management, it's 30% women, 70% men, and then you get to board level, it's 10% women. Mm -hmm. What's happening between the age of whatever, in that middle rank, between when they go from 30%, well, getting to 30% first, that's usually when it happens with women. And it's not all about childcare or having babies. I've heard this from so many people. Just the culture changes or the young Turks, as one older woman said to me, the young Turks just bypass them. They just go past the girls so fast. <laughs> you know, what's happening there? And would you have any practical tips for women who are career focused and in their 30s who have, you know, some ambitions to lead? I'm reluctant to give tips to women because I think women are confident and talented and ambitious and they they do all the right things but often they still are subject to stereotypes and bias so uh, you know we the, the, these myths around it's it's the children it's the confidence it's all of these things um, our research has shown quite clearly that that it is not the women. <laughs> women are not the issue. So my advice to women in, in this scenario and Catalyst's advice is uh, instead of asking what can women do to get ahead, ask organizations what they're doing to make that possible and ask leaders uh, how are they creating the kind of culture that women and other diverse people can, can feel comfortable in and progress through the ranks. So uh, I'm not trying to avoid the question, but I do think that uh, too, many, too, too many diversity approaches start from the assumption that it's the women who need to change, the minority that need to, to change. Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's about culture. Um, you mentioned something there about biases. I know people who uh, say unconscious bias training is really really important um, mm. and not just kind of a one day tick a box thing that it has to be brought in at recruitment at promotion levels and you know done on a regular basis and updated because we all have prejudices yeah unconscious biases so what would your recommendation be to firms and organizations to combat unconscious bias um first we would say that conscious bias is alive and well so this isn't all about unconscious bias. Um, unconscious bias is a, is a fascinating area and people love to do the training because it's, it's, it's really interesting and fun, uh, but it's by no means a silver bullet. So um, companies need to ensure that they're checking for bias at every part of the employee life cycle, that they're looking at hiring, they're looking at promotion, they're looking at talent reviews, they're, they're looking at views of leadership and what good leadership is. So that's, that's really important to really be systematic about it. Um, the Catalyst perspective is that unconscious bias training will only take you so far if it's not linked to inclusive leadership. And, and a different view of um, what inclusion or what leadership means in, in, in the workplace. Um, so we very clearly make the link between unconscious bias and inclusion. And we try to say, okay, you've, you've got the unconscious bias training. What do you do with that now? Um, let's look at the leadership behaviors that 
foster inclusion and um, the mindset that's important. Uh, so the unconscious bias training will only take you so far. Um, and it's really, it boils down to the leadership um, actions and behaviors, the, the, the way you, you manage your team. It's, it's not rocket science, but it is a, it is a different view of, of leadership from, from the one that most companies have, have grown up with, if you like. This, this, we, we ask companies to try to disrupt the think leader, think male default you know, so disable that that default behavior that, um, and it also applies to other aspects, not just gender. You know, people who are introverted or people who are creative or come from different academic backgrounds or so on. That that those people also have a chance at progressing to leadership positions. I was into what you said earlier on about sometimes men think it's a win lose situation. I always think it's easy to explain things to men and they use uh, football parlance or uh, they use sports analogies very well. But I heard someone at a conference in Dublin Castle saying it's not getting one slice of the cake or the other. It's about growing the cake bigger. And I thought it was a nice <laughs> female analogy that people would get as well. Do you think that's true? Is it about growing, making a bigger cake for everybody? Well, uh yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. It's about creating a different culture in the workplace. And, um, you know, if we want to use a football metaphor, we, we can say, you know, you don't, send a, you don't send a team with only defenders onto the field or, you know, you, you, you need a diverse team and you need to manage diverse teams well and to be aware of what it feels like to be the other in, in the workplace. I think sometimes it is just lack of awareness, so how you exclude people either through your language, you know, by talking about uh, sport, using sport metaphors, using military metaphors are, are extremely popular in the business world as well. Um, so it's, it's just becoming more aware of how we exclude people perhaps unwittingly but sometimes it is also conscious I think. Finally are you optimistic for the future of women in leadership levels? The phrase is often used it's you know progress is going at a glacial pace and it'll be another hundred years before we get anywhere close to gender parity. Do you think we're making any progress at all? Um, I, I am optimistic I have to be because otherwise I, I couldn't stand my day job <laughs> but um, I think what, uh, to go back to what I said earlier, the, the fact that this conversation has become a, a global conversation uh, is, is important, that um, countries are taking action, companies are taking action. Uh, the thing that probably makes me most optimistic is the companies who are really engaging the male leaders effectively. Um, because if you have that majority on board and you have the, the tone from the top and the commitment from the top, you will see faster progress. Um, and I think that uh, a, a lot of people have felt we've, we've done diversity the wrong way around. We started with the women and we should have started with the men. Um, so that that does make me optimistic. There's some, if I think about the last three years uh, at Catalyst, I, I've seen 
um, an increasing presence of, of men in the in the room being part of the conversation and they're they're no longer asking why am I here why am I being asked to do this they're asking how and I think that's um, a good thing and makes me optimistic. Sandra it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you for talking to the Women in Leadership podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all from the Women in Leadership podcast for now. We have an exciting guest from Hollywood for you next week, Esther Weinberg, who is a coach and mentor to the media and entertainment sector in Los Angeles. If you have any comments or suggestions for the Women in Leadership podcast, do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at womeninleadership.ie. On Twitter, you'll find us at leadingwomenpod. From me, Angie Mazzetti and all the team here, until the next time, goodbye and take care of yourself. And remember, never apologise for wanting to lead. If you've got leadership skills, there's a group or organisation out there that's in need of the talent you have to share. Just keep your eyes and ears open. Till the next time, goodbye. Goodbye.